Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio inside the Sonesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. It's time for Gwinnett Business Radio. And hello again, everybody, and welcome to Gwinnett Business Radio. I am merely Mike Salmon alongside the incredible Stephen Julian, and we are broadcasting from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio in the beautiful Sonesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. Stephen, good morning. Good morning, Mike. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, I was also reminded by you today, we've been doing this for more than a few episodes. Almost eight years Almost or so? Almost eight years. So, I mean, back when you had hair. Yeah. Well, no, we no, no. It wasn't that long ago. That was about 20 years ago. Uh, when I had a lot fewer pounds. Yeah. We both, could say that. Both of us. Yeah. had some fewer pounds. I, I might have had more hair. But it was still <laughs> well, you've got cropped. The, you've very got short. the beard now and everything. I the do mustache have. I the, have the Rona beard. So it's just kind of yeah. gone south. The yes. Hair. Yes. Yes. Okay. Let's stop talking about hair and start talking to business leaders. Fortunately, we've got some great people in the studio today that can put up with our banter and our silliness. Uh, well, friend- we lock the door so they can't leave. <laughs> that too. Uh, a friend of ours, Sammy Baker, is here in the studio. Sammy is with Contractors Best Pest Solution. No S at the end. We have learned that, Sammy. No S. No S at the end. And a new friend of ours, Fifi Handy. She's with Page Turners Make Great Learners. We'll find out if that's really true. I think it will be. Otherwise, she wouldn't put it as the name of her company. But we'll get to that later. That's a great tease, Mike. Yes. So, uh, Sammy, uh, welcome back. Great to see you, as always. Uh, Contractors Best Pest Solution. Tell us about your company uh, to get us started here. Yeah. um, I've been in the industry for about 26 years, so... About nine years ago, my wife and I talked about it, and we said, we're not getting any younger, so either we go for it or don't, and we decided to start our own business, and we started from scratch. We didn't buy anybody out. We just started with our first customer and got started here in Gwinnett and uh, started in Lawrenceville, but now our office is in Buford, and we cover all of North Georgia, and we do a lot of business with uh, home inspectors, real estate agents. Uh, We do a lot of new construction as the builders building those houses and we're just trying to get involved in the community absolutely take me back that to that nine years ago when you had that aha moment uh, and some of the reasons you said i want to do this obviously the thinking was i could probably do it better yes absolutely well the first thing was we looked at the numbers and after the crash of the housing industry it took a little while to recover so we looked at the numbers and all of a sudden, hmm, new construction's picking up, hmm, turning houses is starting to pick back up. So we said this was the time to get at it or, or not do it. So uh, we decided to go after it at that point and we did want to be more conducive for customers. So a lot of large companies put you in a box and you do it this way or you're not our customer. So what we want to do was make it customize for each customer and adapt to them instead of them adapting to us. So what are some of the ways that you've been able to adapt? What are uh, So I, I, I hear that as a consumer and I think, isn't pest control kind of pest control kind of pest control? So what are some of the things I should be looking out for or that other people have told you that you can say, hey, we're going to be real conducive for you? Yeah, the biggest thing is some say we do outside treatment only. So that's what you get and that's what you're paying for. Um, some say, well, we're going to do it this way, and if, and if you don't like that, then you don't fit into our model. So what we do is basically go out to the customer, get the information, find out what the issues are that they have, and we customize it to their needs. So some customers we do 
Um, exterior and the garage only. Some customers we do inside, exterior, garage, attic. We do everything for them. So we just basically put it in the notes and start working with our customer on how we can make it good for them. And I understand, Sammy, when you talk about your customers, that you kind of have two sorts of customers that you work with. Explain that. Yeah, it's very important that if you take care of your employees and make it a really nice environment for them to work and you treat them well and you listen to them, they tend to do the same thing for your customers. So that is very good because we want happy customers and we want happy employees. So is that is that two sets of customers there? The well, employees and... So well, the, so the employees are your customers. That right? is That's right. The way That's my customer. I got you. Ah. Okay. Okay. See, he took it. He unpacked yeah. it quite well. You just didn't catch on right away. <laughs> you're way too smart. Either you're way too smart to be in the pest control business, or, I don't, or I'm not going to say. It's well, just I me. Yeah. Could. We're all well, thinking the same thing, Mike. Well, here's one of the wonderful things that happens from that. Your employee turnover is very low, yeah. and we have to train. I mean, every insect is different. An ant is different. A roach is different. Termites are different. They're all in their own group of how to take care of them. And so we need highly trained employees out working with our customers. And if you have constant turnover, some of the large nationals have turnover at 60%, 70% a year. That's not good. We want ours to be below 10% every year. And that's how you take care of them. Yes. If you take care of employees and make them part of the team and make them help them buy in and have ownership and, all, and things like that, they're going to stick around. So I, I'm thinking, uh, again, most consumers think, yeah, yeah, spray inside, spray outside, you know, roaches, ants, stuff like that. And, and of course, in Georgia, termites is a huge thing. Quick, funny story. I moved to Montana. And I, when I was looking at the house, I said, so do we have a termite contract? And they were like, you don't need a what? What termite contract? <laughs> and I was like, you can't live in Georgia without a termite contract. So I, I, I learned, oh, termites are mostly warm, warm weather. That's when I learned that. I was kind of dumb. But anyway, back to my question. Uh, because you do, uh, uh, because you're very, you're listening to your clients, you're listening to your customers, what are some of the non-standard things that people call you out for? What are the non-standard pest things or, or some of the pest things that other people won't do that you guys will do? Well, basically what we do is we try to make it comfortable for them in pricing also. So sometimes other companies charge for things that aren't necessary. So what we do is customize it to that customer of what their needs are, maybe what they can afford, but yet solve it. Um, so that's a lot of the issues that we make. We're very price sensitive to customers and we give a great value. And I think you would find that we do a better job than guys who charge more, but yet we customize it to the needs of that customer. And I'm going to, I'm going to give it away. Uh, Mike and I both have known Sammy through networking events and, and networking groups. Um, I know specifically, uh, you, you, you're kind of known in the circles I run with for, especially a mosquito type treatment and that's not not everybody offers that or they might overcharge or they might do it when not necessary and and you know so i was going to ask talk a little bit about those other pests other than just hey i'm spraying the walls and spraying around the house yeah uh mosquitoes uh most people don't know it's the you know carries more diseases kills more people every year and a lot of people in america do not know that or in our area so it uh, malaria kills millions of people a year so we're in a, um, you know, sophisticated country that things are usually kept up pretty clean. So um, that likelihood is less in America. But 
Mosquitoes chase people around the house. A lot of kids are allergic to them. The bite makes big sores on them. They love to chase me around houses when I'm doing termite inspections. So what we do is every 25 days, 25 uh, days to 30 days, once a month, we do a fogging of the house and kill the mosquitoes where they are at. Also, we go around and teach a customer, maybe they want to make more sunlight around their house. Maybe they want to cut limbs back and then have less mosquitoes and we have to do less treatment. So that's one of the things is they educate customers on how to prevent insects from getting in their house and we have to use less product and it's more effective, more efficient. See right there, that's, that's, that's the whole thing right there because you're actually, if, if you did not educate them, you could actually make more money because you're treating them for a problem that won't ever go away and you're actually saying, here's how the problem can go away. Absolutely. You, you actually have morals and values. What, Sammy, what's going on here? <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, uh, you have a little mantra with your company that you want all transactions to be not just win-win, but win-win-win. So explain that. Yes. Um, every transaction should be a win for the customer, right. should be a win for the employee, and should be a win for our company. And if we get those things to line up, then we've got a good thing going little marketing advice here how about win 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 lose and the lose would be the bugs oh i love that how how much you charging me (laughs) that's free marketing advice offered to you by business radio x and specifically gwinnett business radio i know you get uh, i've heard great things about you in the community as as as, um steven said we we do network in a lot of similar groups so i've heard all positive things about uh, contractors best pest solutions but you're not getting the good reviews from the mosquitoes and the bugs and the roaches though (laughs) No, we're yeah. we uh, we're known as annihilators in that section. <laughs> on the on the World Insect Web, their their Yelp page, boy, they really don't like you. That that is for sure. Um, Sammy, I wanted to ask you also. Um, you know, I, we 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 interview a lot of different business leaders, and and one of the things business owners will say a lot is, "Hey, we we try to find a way as as business owners to give back to the community." I want to acknowledge first and foremost that the way you treat your employees is the best way any business owner can give back to the community because first and foremost it's the people you're around every day and if you take care of them and train them well and send them out to do a good job and pay, you know and they want to stay because of the environment you've built that's building a great community right so number one kudos to you for that i, I must i would assume as well that contractor because we see you around networking all that kind of stuff what are some of the ways that and and you're probably a little bit of, I don't want the left hand to know what the right hand is doing. I don't want to, you know, brag or anything like that. But contractor's best. Besides getting rid of the pests, what are some of the other ways you've been able to see your business in the last nine years give back to the community? Yeah. Um, one way is like Kiwanis Club. Uh, we do a lot with, you know, scholarships. We sell a lot of onions so we can raise money. Um, you know, we do golf tournaments. Uh, one of our guys does fabulous uh, father-daughter dance at the first, of, you know, around Christmas time. And that is something that's just wonderful to see. So even through your employees, again, if you're, take, if you're doing win-win for them, then they right. bring things to the table that you can get behind as a business. Absolutely. Owner. And then Cares for Kids. We have a lot of agents that, you know, real estate organizations we deal with that have golf tournaments, things like that. We try to participate in all of them and help raise funds for them. So uh, we believe in giving back, and in the more and the larger we get, I plan on just doing a whole lot more as we, as we grow. That's the fourth win, 
right? That was, no, that'd be the third win. So no, it's no. now it's got to be win, 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 lose to the pass. So, man, this hashtag is getting bigger and bigger <laughs> as we go. Now, you're located in, in Buford. You're based yes. in Buford. But to talk about your service area, how far out do you go? Yeah, we go all the way to Cartersville. We go up to the lake. Uh, we're going down south now. We have a large builder that is now building down in the south side. So we're tending to head that way also. So pretty much metro Atlanta. Uh, we're not going to Macon. And we're not going to Chattanooga. And not that you don't like them, but it's a little bit out of your, <laughs> a little bit out of the driving yeah, range. A little bit out yeah, of the yeah. driving range. And I was going to ask this. I love the business name because um, Pest Solution. I think everybody thinks, uh, you know, local home, right? And and I've I've lived in my home for twelve years, and so oh yeah, who's my pest control person? I love the name Contractors Best because one of your one of your nice markets is the new home construction, and you were yes. talking about that. Um, have you found that the name has hindered the, the existing homeowner or because it's pest solution, everybody's, and, and as you've networked, people go, well, I built my home 10 years ago, but I still need pest solution. Yeah. My marketing guy has several times said, well, maybe that's a good name. Maybe that's not a good name, but I'm like, well, look, I've been in, involved in the home builder association for 17 years and uh, I, I think it's going to work just fine. And we do a lot of new construction, a lot of custom builders. So I, I think it's going to fit. And I us. learned something. I did not know that contractors will treat for pests, I guess, while they're building or right yes. after they build. Yes. In Georgia, it is code that you have to pre-treat the house wow. for termites. And it only makes sense because guess what? We're in the hot zone and they do. We're, we're, we're in that zone that termites yeah. do millions of dollars they, worth of damage. They don't wait for the home to be finished before trying right. to get involved in the home. So, yeah, I, I learned something. I, I did, too. I That's did a win too. for me. Now we're at win, 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 lose. All right. Well, well he counts the number of wins. <laughs> uh, Sammy, let, let our listeners know how can they find out more about Contractors Best? How can they reach out? How can they uh, use your services? Get a win. Yes. Um, absolutely. Uh, www.callcontractorsbest.com. You can go on there. There's a lot of great information. Or call 678-765-6525, and that's our office. And if you need me personally for something, you can call me, 678-267-9850. Go right to the top. There you go. How many business owners give their cell phone on our on our? I sure as heck don't. Yeah, I know you don't. <laughs> That's interesting. I think Sammy laid down a challenge. We'll have to see if you take it up. Sammy Baker, Contractor's Best Pest Solution. Thank you, Sammy. Thank you. Good to see you. I think everybody loves when pests aren't involved in their home. The other thing I know that people love is Subaru. Gwinnett Business Radio comes to you from the Subaru Gwinnett Studios, and love is what makes a Subaru a Subaru. Enjoy big savings and a hassle-free experience at Subaru of Gwinnett, where people sell cars. Visit SubaruofGwinnett.com and join their family today or come in and see the difference. If you're already a Subaruist, then check out their Facebook page for the latest news, offers, and community events. It had been a while, Mike, since I had done a stupid segue to Subaru. So I thought I thought you Oh, I thought that. you were calling Subaru. No. Yes. Never. Subaru's awesome. I love Subaru. Careful. You love Subaru. All of our listeners love Subaru. We do. But uh, it had been a while since I tried to do a stupid little tie-in segue to a great sponsor. <laughs> just just read what Subaru gives us. I apologize. And be, and be, and be I with apologize, it. Subaru. I'll do better next time. All right. Our next guest is Fifi Handy. Uh, she is the founder and executive director of Page Turners Make Great Learners. It rhymes every time. You're a poet. Didn't know it. Your feet <laughs> sure show it. They're long fellows, right? You got to finish that joke. Sorry. 
I'm going to leave now. I apparently have two bad jokes in a row. That's strike two. One more and I'm out. When Steven leaves, this becomes a win, 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 win. Fifi, thank you for putting up with the shenanigans. Great to have you here. Great to meet you for the first time. Page Turners make great learners. Tell us all about your organization. Page Turners Make Great Learners is a literacy nonprofit for and we for elementary, middle, and high school kids. We typically partner with Title I schools, and if you know that jargon or if you don't know that jargon, basically Title I schools are schools with a large percentage of children from low-income families. Uh, basically, they get additional resources because a lot of the kids are not reading on grade level. So since they do not get a lot of resources, we bridge the gap in terms of helping them with their literacy initiatives so when it comes to helping with a literacy initiative i would imagine it's not just one thing i would imagine there's a lot of different things that that you guys can specifically help with can you give us some examples of ways that you uh, specifically will go into schools or get partnered with schools to help them with that Absolutely. Um, first thing I want to make clear is that we do not teach kids how to read. What we do is ignite that love of reading. And a lot of uh, what you will find is parents that say to me all the time, I can't get my kid to read. I can't get my kid to read. He just does not like to read. And my response is, chances are they haven't found their book yet. And that's what we do is that we help them find the books that they want to read. Because you have a lot of organizations, you have a lot of people that drop off books, right? But do they drop off books that they like to read? And so it's part of my job to find those books that they're reading out there, because there are a lot of kids that are reading, whether they're marginalized or whether they're not. Uh, you're looking at the north side of town. There's a lot of kids that haven't found their book yet. So that's a big, large part of my job, is finding those books that they like to read, introducing them to authors, introducing them to various genres that they may not be aware of that might not be on their library shelves or at home so that's a huge part of what I do well Fifi I love what you're doing very noble cause I want to hear the story how this came about and you're in the reasons why you decided I need to do this well it's a very personal and very selfish act um, I was in corporate America my daughter was struggling with reading and I say to a lot of people that they think that not being able to read on grade level is a socioeconomic issue and it's not it's just a biz busy parents who didn't pay attention um, didn't pay attention to the little cracks little things that slip through the crack like your daughter is savvy enough to look at the pictures and be able to tell you what the story is about <laughs> and convince you that she's read the book so she's very savvy that way but interestingly enough I had a parent-teacher conversation like we like we parents do right and I learned that she was not reading on grade level she was not far from it but um, the feeling that you get as a parent hearing that your child is not reading on grade level I mean it's just a huge huge lose situation so and we want to win right we want to win as parents we want to partner in our schools uh, partner in our child's education and so I was all about partnering in my child's education so it was about getting her to read and how do I do that she's a social butterfly she's talkative she's chatty Kathy so it so at the time Oprah had just come out with her book club and I thought and I thought of this before Oprah did so let me just say that I was the first one to, to think of the kitty book club right Oprah hold my beer <laughs> hashtag I thought of this before Oprah so but like no it. one knew it but me in any event I thought 
how about I start a kitty book club with a kick? And the kick would be fun to take a component of something in a book and then make it come leap from the page to the real world. So if we were talking about a book about Jewish culture or a chef or a recipe is to bring that chef in to bring that dreidel in so that they learn the symbols on all of the sides of the dreidel, play the dreidel song, song, things like that, that I knew that I didn't know, and surely they didn't know, but make the book come alive. So essentially that's what I was trying to do, make the book come alive, leap from the page. And so I started this book club with her classmates, so it's no fun if, you're, if your classmates and your friends aren't a part of it, and your mom is just making you read. We've done that, that didn't work. So making her friends feel a part of it, making her classmates feel a part, of it um, it became fun and so my daughter wanted to read more and so I say that that's my greatest accomplishment is that she began to pick up a book before she turned on the television and so that began to grow exponentially parents as well as educators wanted to know what are you doing what is it that you guys are talking about so as word spread from school to school I I began to have a job. So it, <laughs> it went from it, a volunteer effort to an actual job. So it really organically started to grow. It did. It did. It, it was this love, of course, that I had for my daughter and wanting to and understanding that reading is a life skill. It's not just something that you do. It's certainly not a chore or a punishment, but understanding that this is what she needed to do in order to be successful in her academic and professional life. Um, that she was going to have to read for the rest of her life. And I wanted her to fall in love with reading. And I began to understand that it was important for her friends and classmates. And I began to talk with other parents. And then I learned that this became a very uh, a passion and a purpose for me. And I understood that where I advocated for my daughter, that there were a whole lot of kids out there whose parents can't. And so that's where I also fill in the gap as well. I learned that there's over 60% of low-income families that don't have age-appropriate books in the home. You think in 2020, oh, every kid has a book at home. Surely they do. That is so not true. Especially considering in this where we are, uh, you almost can't give books away to some extent. And you talked about at the very beginning, it's more than just dropping off books. Yet that is an element uh, of being able to we should be able to get books into the homes of low-income families who want them because, you know, we, we can't sell them on, you know, it, there's so many books. I mean, I, I've had libraries turn us away from trying to get rid of books that we have that we don't want anymore or don't use anymore. You'd be surprised the number of schools that say have one series of Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Mm. If you know anything about oh, kids, yeah. there every kid across this nation loves Diary of a right. Wimpy Kid. Um, a lot of the schools that I serve may have a series but may be missing book three, book mm. five, mm. book seven, book ten. Imagine a kid going into the library and wanting to finish the series, go to the next book, and that, bo and that book's not be there. Or they're on a waiting list, waiting to read the next book, and they're 50th on the list. I, it, so um, I say to parents who have books at home and your kids have aged out, take those books to a school yeah. ask yeah you know do you need books a lot of times the books that you have under the bed in the garage and you've just been collecting that's been collecting dust on your shelves a lot of the schools need yeah. they the first thing that gets cut in a lot of these title one schools are their library and arts 
those are the first things that get cut when they're looking at budget cuts. So you have um, a library, a school library, that has um, books on the shelves that may not have the complete series or may not have the series at all because they can't afford them. We're speaking with Fifi Handy. She is uh, the executive director of Page Turners Make Great Learners, uh, and we are talking about uh, reading, love of reading, uh, getting kids more, uh, elementary, middle school, high school, all getting more involved uh, in reading and becoming page turners. So here's my question. Uh, your nonprofit specifically, what are some of the, uh, how many schools are you currently working with? Or you don't have to give an exact number, but, and how are you working with those schools? Is it bringing in books? You said it isn't teaching, but is it bringing in books? It's doing demonstrations. Uh, are there anything else we're missing that you guys are getting involved in? And this is a really long question. We're going to see how good you, you are. You might want to write all this down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and what are you not doing that you'd like to do that you're looking to get some help from uh, and, and take that nonprofit to the next step? I'm going to take a stab at this. Go for so it. The answer to your fr first question is that we partnered upwards of, we partnered with upwards of 20 schools. Nice. Um, that includes elementary, middle, and high school because what we're learning as we're increasing our footprint is a lot of uh, high schoolers. Um, are reading at an elementary and sometimes middle grade level. Mm -hmm. And so again, it's about finding that book and whetting their appetite and finding out what they what they want to read. And I'm going to interject here for just a second that because you started with that and that's so important. I immediately went to what was the first group of books or, or book that really just ignited me to read more and more and more. That's almost a one-on-one. -on -one, that that almost comes out of relationship, doesn't it? It, it doesn't necessarily. I mean, I guess it could come out of an assembly, but that's a that's a discovery process. That that and I guess is it telling that student it's okay to put this book down and go, I don't like that, and get another one. I don't like that. I don't, ooh, and find the one you like. I mean. I can think that only happens through relationship and challenge. Right, right. If you think about when we were in school, that required reading list, that requ that required book that you had to read, George Orwell's 1984, yeah, Withering yeah. Heights. Yeah, yeah. Wait, you know, the mocking, Wait, To Kill a Mockingbird. Did we go to the same school? Pride and Prejudice. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Uh, Call J of the Wild. Jane Eyre. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which I was always like, I'm a guy. I don't want to read Jane Eyre. No offense. It's a great book, but it's not for me. Right, right. right. I... I hate to say this, but I must, but I detest reading lists, required reading yeah. lists for Amen. a lot of reading. The written word is evolving, ever evolving. Right. And if we're reading books from 60 years ago, 100 years ago, something is wrong. We need to introduce children to today's written word, speak their language, that written language that resonates with them. Um, we're, we're talking about, and I hate to bring up this issue, but we're talking, the country is talking about racism and anti-racism, um, and, and what it means to be racist. And a lot of, um, my, my personal friends, colleagues, some of our corporate partners have reached out to us and say, Hey, we want to educate ourselves. We want to approach these conversations at home. We want to approach these conversations in our workplaces. We want to approach these conversations in our classrooms. What do we read? Well, that's broadening the scope of the written word. Um, it's important for not only black people, but white people and all 
colors in between to understand that they're seen, they're valued, that they're heard, that their lives are valued. And how do we do that? We do that through the written word. We, d we do that by what we see. And so if you um, tell a black kid you're seen, you're valued, you're heard, but they never see themselves on the cover of a book, they never read about their experiences in the text and their culture, then we're missing something. We're missing, you're, you're telling them, well, you don't have a place. You don't have a place in society. You don't have a place in history. There are a ton of books out there where black kids can see themselves on the cover and they can see themselves in the text. And now you've got all races wanting to read those books. And so that's what we're about. We're about introducing all books to all people to let them know that they're seen and they're valued and, they're, and that they are heard and books that resonate with kids. And, and, and going back to the reading list for a second, what mm -hmm. I always hated about it is it, People are telling me what I have to read, and I understand there's an element of that in education, mm -hmm. so maybe it's one book, but it was like they never let us choose what we wanted to read. They never let us explore you know, what we could read. My, my mom used to take me to the library. She was a sixth grade teacher. Mm -hmm. She would take us to the library over summer, and she said, uh, get anything you want. She would never tell us we couldn't bring a book home, and she would always encourage us, go down other aisles, find other things, and... And we would take huge stacks of books home, and I maybe only read three of them, but I'd start one and go, I don't like that. Start one, I don't like that. But I would find things that I would go, this is interesting, this is fascinating. That's how reading is supposed to be, right? And so, yes. so you know, let's let's go ahead. And, I'm sorry. I, okay, so let that, me go back to the okay. incredibly long question, and and ask it this way, uh, or just ask it again. So what's next? What are some of the what are some of the things you want to do? even more uh, in schools? What are some of the things you're not able to do now? Or is it just, I want to keep doing what I'm doing, but I want to do it in more schools? Well, now that we're in the middle of a pandemic, I think um, that large, small businesses, as well as nonprofits, are figuring out how do, we, how do we retool and repurpose what we do? And how do we reach our constituents? How do we reach our clients and our customers? And my clients are kids. Those are my clients. How do I reach them? And so what we worked to do, dedicated a lot of time um, to do over the summer, is how do we get books to kids? And so we came up with this idea, a book club in a box. That's how we do it. And we put those books in a box. We put the resources. We not only provide the books, but we also provide teachers with resources as well. I often read all of the books before the kids even get them. So I know what they want to read. That's part of my job. And so it's not giving that teacher one more thing to do, but breaking it down, aligning it with the standards, and showing them how to use the book as a tool to teach the standard because that's what they're mandated to do. They're mandated to work within a system. We don't want to add anything to an already overloaded plate. We want to be able to give them something where they can read within their reading and ELA blocks. Um, and but to teach kids how to have academic conversation because ultimately that's what teachers are teaching them how to do have conversations like this right uh, we think about our thinking we think about uh, what affects us our families all of those things um, and we're teaching them how to do that but the modeling starts in the classroom so we're trying to make it easier for for the teacher so those are the kind of things that we're doing we're also doing hosting authors events so we've had the opportunity to host authors like Jeff Kenny Sharon Draper Matt De La Pena all of these wonderful authors that kids know um, and, but bringing them to them virtually as opposed to in person that's that was the great fun of it all being able to bring those authors into the schools they have an opportunity to meet and engage with them they get an autographed book um, but now we have to do it in a virtual capacity so those are the things that we're working on as, as we get ready to wrap things up Fifi I, I do want to get your opinion on something 
uh, when it comes to some cultures, reading books is not cool. I mean, you know, growing up, you know, the kid that had all the books was was the book nerd or whatever. You know, playing music is cool. Playing sports is cool. But in some cultures, reading is not cool. How do you overcome that challenge? Well, I must admit, I was a closet reader. I was that kid who loved to read. I was a voracious reader, but I dare not carry my book in front of my friends. (laughs) So I read it. I read at home. I think now there are a lot of authors out there like Jeff Kinney and Jason Reynolds right now that are making reading cool. But the thing about it is that if you don't know that those authors are out there and you don't introduce those books, there's no way for a kid to know it if it's not on their library shelf or if a parent is uneducated about it as well, uneducated about those authors and just don't know that they're out there. I think making it real, a lot of movies are books. Think about it. A lot of movies that we see first started out as books books. and i always say when that movie comes out the book is always better i I bet you all the time i'd be willing to bet and and i actually went to a school um where i made a bet with the class i said you know i got you five pages in and if i don't have you five pages in pizza for the whole class and i and i asked the teacher to send me video to get the parents approval to send me just video from her phone i got at least 20 videos that I can show you on my phone where they were like, uh, we could have pizza anytime. I love the book, Miss Handy. I love the book. And so that is the best compensation for me ever, ever. Finally, before falling we, in love with the book. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I love everything. Obviously, great interview. Thank you so much for coming in and sharing everything today. Thank How you. can the business person out there that's listening help you? What, what do you need to, to continue to grow this program? Well, I, I hate to say it, but money, checks are always good. <laughs> but donations are always yeah. good, but book donations are always good. If you have books on the on your shelves, your kids have aged out, collect those books. Reach out to us. Um, we, we always accept them. We give them to a lot of the schools that we serve. You can reach us at www.pageturnersgreatlearners.org. Um, you can also, if you want to reach out to me, you can go through our website. It goes directly to my inbox and my email. All right. I want to repeat that website again. Page Turner's Great Learners yes. dot org. Yes, sir. Great. Great story. And, and thank you for, you know, most of us, and I hate to say it, you know, our kid's not doing well. We're going to talk to the kid, try to get it. We don't, the light bulb doesn't go off to help everybody else as well. Yeah. And you took it to a whole new level. So thank you for that. Thank you. In in Sammy's case, the only loser was the pests. I, I don't know if there's a loser in this scenario, no, except the no person loser. who doesn't root. Everybody listening today, read. this has been a great show, except for the bugs. I, I do bugs think are not liking the show. I, I, I do think there's a challenge that anyone who listens to this interview has some avenue to get either a check or or you know support financially or support through books good solid books that will help any age level in school elementary through high school can you name a book that you tried that you just could not get through when you were younger because you said there'd be- i really struggled with gone with the wind i had to read it my junior year and it, it took a lot of the summer to get i, I had it. one book like that i tried it three or four times and just could not get past the first chapter and just all quiet on the western front oh yeah i, I don't know why because I, I like that kind of stuff i thought i but I'll, I'll ask you because uh, I was thought you were going to ask what's uh, what is one book from your you know either childhood elementary school middle school like what was the book that you kept reading over and over that that you sticks with you even today 
because mine is a very obscure book. Uh, I will never forget the summer that I first read Henry Higgins and the Scientific Pitch. It was one of the it, it's it's a corny book, uh, but it was very similar to Beverly Beverly Cleary and that kind of stuff. It was about a nerd kid who figured out how to throw a double curveball. And uh, and his, you know, it was very bad news bearish. But yeah. I, that was one of the greatest. I read it every summer, like three or That's four years you. in a row. I Horny, loved it. Yeah. Yeah. It was it, right. I, it, I identified with Henry Higgins. So Henry Higgins in the scientific pitch. I don't even know the author. I should probably go Amazon, find that and buy it for a penny and then donate it to uh, page turners. Make great. Learners. All right. And I'll mention one that I liked as a kid just yeah. so we can wrap this up. And uh, y- y- it may have been on every school's reading list. Rumblefish. Did you have to do Rumblefish? I did not read Rumblefish. I'm going to get thumbs up from Fifi. <laughs> but I did not read Rumblefish. <laughs> that one was kind of cool. Anyway. She, when she was talking about the, I'm sorry, now I'm going to keep going. Because when she was talking about Wimpy Kid, she was saying one out of sequence. That was me with the Hardy Boys. If one of the Hardy Boys books was out of sequence, I was like, oh, man, I've got to wait but for that Hardy Boys But if you were a girl, book. it wasn't the Hardy Boys. It was Nancy Drew. Nancy Drew. When I got done with Hardy Boys, I started Nancy Drew, and I was like, eh, it's not for me. <laughs> Sammy Sayer was what as a kid? Kill those bugs. <laughs> Mine was Great Expectations. I oh, nice. Wow. Great book. I remember yes. reading that. Yeah. Okay. We could do a whole show. We just, just did. <laughs> doing, talking about this. So, uh, Fifi Handy again, uh, Page Turners, GreatLearners.org. And, uh, Great stuff. Thank you again. We were so engaged with two great guests that I almost forgot to tell everybody a fantastic piece of news. You can save money. Let's go for a drive at the BMW Performance Center and open track the ultimate driving machine and you in the driver's seat. This is not a fantasy. You're at the BMW Performance Center. Let's drive. Call in or book online and get a 20% discount if you use the code. 20 rxt 20 20 rxt 20 for more information or to book your experience visit bmwperformancecenter.com or call 888-345-4BMW to reserve your seat now. Again, that discount code is 20rxt20. You know why I did that so well? Cuz I like to read when I was younger. It pays off. All right, we got to get going. Thank you to our listeners. Thank you, Amanda, for producing our show. Thank you to our wonderful guests and to Stephen as well. Remember to follow us on uh, all of the social media channels at Gwinnett Radio X. Until next time, what are you, what are you mouthing? Subscribe. subscribe. And subscribe to our shows on all the podcast platforms, iTunes, iHeartRadio, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify. We're all over the place. Amanda called you down from the producer's booth. Subscribe. JJ never did that during his internship. Bring JJ back. <laughs> no, we we we'll see you next time here on Gwinnett Business Radio.